This is the final boarding call. All passengers in Zone 3 may now board the Air Canada Flight 2 Toronto. You got to do it in French, though. You got to do it all again in French as well. Oh, man, right. I forgot. Man, it's like, I'm sure. I mean, listen, I feel like I've heard that enough to last me a little while in the last couple of days, but I didn't even also think about the fact that, Lucas, you've surely heard enough of that to last you a lifetime in the the bit of traveling you've been doing in the past couple months. Here's my pro tip to the fellow Canadians out there. You know, you think, oh, if I fly with Flair, it's chintzy, it's a, it's a budget airline, you know, they're going to start that thing up with elastic bands. But here's the thing that you don't realize, is because they don't have the budget of Air Canada, they don't make you watch a uh, really annoying, like, ad where everyone's, like, smiling in Nunavut because they're so happy <laughs> they went with an Air Canada flight. And then you watch all the Air Canada people with the fake smiles walk around the rocks in New Brunswick, and it's all weird, <laughs> and you have to watch. It's an unskippable cutscene before your flight will start. In Flair, they're just like, yeah, you know the drill. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. That's funny. I don't think, actually, that um, we had to watch that same one, but uh, we— Was it an I, Air Canada Express flight? It was. Did it, it not was. have the TVs? That's why. Yeah, when they have oh, the TVs, I, they make you watch. They make you watch okay. this dystopian video where all the Air Canada employees are walking around different locations in Canada, uh, and it's very overproduced. <laughs> well, I guess, okay. Well, then I guess that's one of the differences that we've had in air travel recently. Because yeah, uh, here on Elwood City Limits, the Episodic Arthur Podcast. We've been doing a little bit of traveling, the both of us, not just Lucas for his job, but we both actually met in the middle, so to speak, recently, and that's why we uh, had a bit of a change to the schedule. It's Will Young here. Um, So, Lucas, yeah, we ended up kind of at least locking eyes and saying hello at the All Elite Wrestling Show uh, Mm. in Toronto last week. That was fun. You weren't the only person I met there, Will. I also met the Voris Twins. Oh, like I, I saw that and I kind of so you were you were at Dynamite and so you got the uh, the dark elevation matches as well. And I mm-hmm, did not mm-hmm. know until I looked it up later that the Voros twins were there. And, you know, Lucas, I got to I got to say I was watching their match last night and I was like I said to my wife, how many times do you think those guys hear or say Da Vinci? in the in the in the span of a day? And you like I have to respect it. You had. You you had the gumption to go up to them and be and be like, say the line, Bart. Now my heart does. Uh, you know I have compassion for the Voros twins. It must be a hard existence, uh, being the Da Vinci guys and having to say Da Vinci every single day of your life. Uh, every waking moment, people are turning to you and saying, "You are the Da Vinci brothers." Now that being said, it puts food on their table. Right. And so they were ready. Mm -hmm. It was raining. Like there was a light mist outside. I ran up to them unprompted, (laughs) asked for a Davinci one time, and they did it no warm up perfectly in perfect sync. They even had the beat. This is how you can tell they're doing it all day, every day, is they had the beat to go, (laughs) who painted the Mona Lisa beat? Mona Lisa, both again in sync. And then they hit me with the perfect in sync Davinci. Was all smiles, and let me tell you, they were happy to do it. The Voros twins, great guys. Uh, I hope Tony Khan picks up the phone and signs those two guys because they made a they made a lifelong fan the day they met me. Well, and they seem like 
I mean, I don't want to say genuine, but they seem to be um, aware of who they appear to be. Because all the videos that I've seen outside of the Da Vinci video are like them being stupid in a way that <laughs> lets you know that they're in on the joke. Yeah. So, Did you see the video that was freak accident while making their AEW debut? No, I didn't. I don't want to spoil that for you. You should look okay. that up after this. All right, I'll have to. I'll have to check them out. Well, there you go, and that's and that's how you kind of stay in the Voros Twins uh, orbit. But yeah, so we we um, saw each other at the AEW Rampage taping on Thursday, and I was like trying to look for like several different people, and you were one of like the only people that I found uh, that night. Wasn't able to join you out for anything on the town, but uh, it's because Jenna and I had been walking all day, and we were just bone tired and uh we just and then we had to save our energy because we were in toronto for another couple of days and that was a lot of fun how long did you uh end up uh, stopping over you were there wednesday and thursday and then did you have to immediately yeah, I flew get home friday but mm. not not before you know seen a little bit of the town uh we went to there was a bar you would have enjoyed called dundas video uh Ooh. that had not one not two but three uh screens showing escape from new york uh <laughs> as well as like a- a- snes minis all over the uh the bar so we were just playing um kirby superstar saga the mini game where it's like who could press the button first oh yeah like, yeah the the dueling mini game yes and so we just set it to a hundred and just did a hundred of those in a row <laughs> and then we went to some bar in toronto called and i and i quote him him the Bovine Sex Club? Now, oh. I'm to understand that that is a name and not necessarily uh, a description of said establishment because it was mm-hmm. just a bar, uh, but that's what it was called. And it was pretty cool because no. they had a DJ going on a, on a gosh darn Thursday night, the city that never sleeps, the Six, Toronto. Um also, what else? There was something else I wanted to talk to you about, AEW. Oh, yeah. I mean, to all our listeners, if you want to catch a glimpse of me, uh, last week's AEW Dynamite, um, if you look up any of the matches on YouTube, uh, especially in the Orange Cassidy, uh, Pac, or, or yes, Pac, uh, uh, All-Atlantic Championship match, um, you can see me on the hard camera for quite a bit of that match uh, if you just keep your eyes locked on the right hand of the screen. You want some live Lucas Mancini reacts action. Um, it's all out there. You got some you got some good seats for that one. I'm uh, I'm a little jealous. You um the closest you can see to me is like you really can't. But like when I was there at Rampage, they didn't air the entrances for the first match, but they did make a YouTube video for them. And so if you watch that YouTube video, you can kind of see where we were sitting as John Moxley makes his entrance. He literally, like, the opening below our section was where he came out. So you could see about where we are, but, like, you would, I would have to, like, tell us straight and be like, this is where we actually are um, to, to, really, to really do that justice. Um, so, yeah, and there's, yeah, like, I've been to Toronto before, but there's still a bunch of stuff there that I haven't been able to check out yet, so I will be back at some point. And, you know, it's been a busy couple of weeks in both what we've been doing for work, what we've been doing for, like, vacation, and what's been going on here, and it's good, so it's gonna be a little, this episode's gonna be a little top-heavy, because there's a couple things we gotta get out of the way. Lucas, the Mario Brothers trailer, the Mario CGI oh. movie trailer oh, seems, my goodness. seems to have disappointed you in a way that I didn't necessarily anticipate. Uh, I mean, Will, 
I come to you not as a podcast host, not as someone who has reviewed the Sonic movie in an official capacity for this very podcast, but I come to you as a proud Italian-Canadian. Mario is a uh, icon of the Italian-American, Italian-immigrant community, mm-hmm. a hard-working plumber in touch with his heritage. He make it the meatball. He eat it of the spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, Yahoo lets it go that whole song and dance <laughs> and Chris Pratt had set our expectations let me see if I can pull up the article uh, Chris Pratt Mario voice uh, Chris Pratt had set our expert it would have been fine if Chris Pratt had just said um, oh you know it's just gonna sound like me you know temper your expectations don't worry Chris Pratt had said this Mario voice is unlike anything Mario has seen before. Now, okay. that is not necessarily untrue, mm. given that he does just sound like Chris Pratt. But my, I, I see, I'm having trouble finding my words, Will, because it's an emotional thing for me, you know, as a proud Italian Canadian, to hear the uh, performance of Mario to be so desecrated. Uh, to sound like Chris Pratt. They, they and, okay, and you would even made me even more mad. Yeah. Did you see um other regions version of that trailer, like the French yeah, Mario? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. French Mario is going woohoo, yippee! He just sounds like Mario. Okay. Yeah. So Chris Pratt and his like Brooklyn accent. That's like. He's not even doing a Brooklyn... You have to, like, squint, like, the, the audio version of squint at it to be like, <laughs> okay, he's he's kind of sounding like he's from Brooklyn. Um, I don't know. It just made me mad. Bowser sounds like Bowser. Jack Black did a great job. He doesn't just sound like Jack Black. He sounds like Bowser. Um, the, the fact that it just sounds like Chris Pratt, who, by the way, I think is Polish, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's, I'm just saying. He's more mine than he is yours. Exactly, exactly. Italian face, mm. okay? Mm. I will not let this stand. I'm not a fan. I well, will see this movie by hook or by crook, <laughs> for better or for worse. Uh, you've heard it here first, folks. You will hear what I think of this film. Um, and honestly, I'll, I'll, okay, and I'll say this. If it also, the movie looked really bad and the voice was like just Chris Pratt, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. I actually was like, oh, damn, this movie kind of looks good. Yeah. It's a shape about the voice. Yeah, it's it's that one little thorn in the rose bush, so to speak, because I agree. It did. The trailer actually looked fairly promising. Now, I didn't have the same negative reaction to the Chris Pratt voice as you did, but I can I can understand why you did. So I, I feel bad that that kind of ruined that initial experience for you and hopefully mm. it'll be a bit more palatable in the full mm. thing but we'll have to wait and see before and we move on this is my final argument yeah because uh, i had a friend say you know lucas it's not that big of a deal right picture this will mm. spongebob squarepants right, right. Yeah. mickey mouse right mm-hmm. imagine if you you know there was mickey mouse in a movie and he said him hello i'm a mickey mouse or if you went to Bikini Bottom and you're like, oh, wow, it's Spongebob. I love that Spongebob. And he was like, hi, Will, it's me, Spongebob. That's all I'm saying. That's what this Mario thing is like to me. Stepping on the beach, do, do, <laughs> do, do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, I'm I, I, ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, it's it's too bad, but we're gonna have to wait and see on that one, and maybe uh, maybe maybe we'll do a little review of it. We'll have we'll we'll see we'll we'll see because our uh, our Patreon schedule is changing a little bit. Patrons know about this. We posted the update of how the Patreon is going to change after the fiftieth episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. Now we will be giving you the rundown here on the free feed soon, but if you would like to hear it now. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Okay. It's it's worth it's worth reminding that of course we are the episodic Arthur podcast. We're talking about Arthur episode by episode, which means that there's always been room to you know, sh- share share the load, as Sam Wise would say. There's there's room for other podcasts. There are, in fact, other Arthur podcasts out there, and you can check them out, and I would encourage you to do so. And now, we I mean, we have talked about this before, but there is there was an official announcement in the two weeks that we've been away that there will indeed be very soon. In fact, it might be... When is this debuting? I think I have this. The t- so by the time you hear this, you will be able to listen to the first episodes of the official Arthur podcast. So PBS Kids is making Arthur content in podcast form. They're not doing what we're doing, at least I don't think so, but they are making episodes of Arthur, like new Arthur fictional story content in podcast form. I think they're also doing some kind of voicemail element as well, so I'm going to be on the lookout for that. I've already just, I've already subscribed to the podcast. By this point, I'm sure I probably have listened to it, but as of this recording, I have not heard anything yet. Mm. And we did get an email on this. We will get into emails in a little bit uh, from a listener named Rosa, who is looking to know our thoughts on the Arthur podcast and what it means for the future of Arthur. And... So I've, I I think I've said this before, at least if not on here, then, you know, maybe in the Discord or elsewhere. Like, I, I have no I have no problem with it. And even if they were to do something similar to what we're we're doing, which they're not, it's like, well, they would be completely within their station to do so. They have access to the entirety of the Arthur catalog so they can really do what they want. And I'm going to be very interested to hear what kinds of stories they can tell in an audio only format and how they choose to do that. So. I'm interested, I'm very interested in how this is going to turn out. I don't, you know, there have been people who kind of alerted this to us and even people who replied to the official social media post of like, there's only one Arthur podcast and it's Elwood City Limits. I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you. But at this point, I don't think we need to be too uh, on on our back foot. Uh, We're kind of doing two different things and I hope that it works out for them. Now, that's very diplomatic, uh, taking the high road, Will. I, on the other <laughs> hand, uh, was posting that clip of Soldier Boy talking about Drake stealing his whole flow. <laughs> uh, I say, Arthur, until you have us on, the OG... Ar- Listen, well, we had the voice of DW on this podcast, Jason Schwimmer, <laughs> by far more clout than us, I would say. <laughs> he still knew to put some respect on that name. Oh, yeah. City Limits. He knew who the OGs were. You're right. Uh, so, you're right. Mr. Reed, the ball is in your court. Uh, me and Will will await the invite. But, yeah, no, joking aside, um, uh, I think it's a totally different thing. It's like a fictional, you know, it, it's a podcast from Arthur, not a podcast about Arthur. Right? That's right. Yeah. 
Um, so that's that's something we could never provide because neither me or Will are Arthur. So I, I will uh, keep an ear out uh, for that call for when Mr. Reed picks up the phone and has us on. But until then, I wish him the best. And I, this answers a big question that me and you had. You know, when Arthur was coming to an end, Mark Brown had said, this is not the end of Arthur. He will reappear in a different format. And I think that's what this is, right? Yeah. No, yeah, it seems it seems to be. And of course, Arthur will continue on in many other ways as well. And this is probably just one way that they're going to test. Uh, I, I mean, listen, if I don't know if this is even possible, but like we may not be far off from something like an Arthur VTuber. Arthur TikTok. Mm, I, I think they have. Well, they have that already where they're posting Arthur clips on TikTok, but like original Arthur content where it's like sp- like Arthur Spawn Con, where it's like a VTuber who has the like voice. They automate the voice of Arthur and they play um, like PBSKids.org games or something on Twitch. Mm. Or, yeah, like they, they are able to create an AI Arthur who uh, gets sturdy as the kids do on TikTok or something like that. You know, that, we got to see yeah. what Arthur, the Arthur characters will do with the take the walk to Poland audio. <laughs> this is entirely beyond me. There's, you know, it's, it's good to know that there are still things out there that I am too old for in a way. <laughs> and this is definitely one of them. I'll spell it off. You will. Lil Yachty had the walk and then he took it to Poland. I, mm. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, that was uh, prompted by an email from Rosa, but of course we wanted to talk about it here because it's going to be something, and I'm sure that we will make some content, either I will or we both will or combination of us, whatever, about you know the first few episodes of the Arthur podcast and what we think. And of course we would be interested in what you think of it as well. Definitely think that you should check it out. So let's continue on with the emails here over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We've certainly had a couple of them, and we're going to catch up on them right now. First one is from Darkness Slayer X, uh, who says, Remember when a dog ate one of Fritz's tomatoes in Buster's green thumb and then seemingly gained human-level intelligence? Based on that, I came up with a theory that the origin of funny animals in the universe is tied to those tomatoes. When a normal animal eats one, they will first gain human-level intelligence, then the ability to speak, and finally, they will develop the physiology of a funny animal. In the same vein, eating them will slowly transform humans into funny animals as well. Although in this case, I can't come up with how the species of the funny animal they become would be determined. Children of humans who are turned into funny animals as well, which explains the presence of baby funny animals. Long time ago, a human ate one of those special tomatoes before they were growing in Fritz's garden, and thus funny animals were introduced to the Arthur universe. This theory would explain why there's proof of humans having existed in the past, such as the Lincoln Memorial in DW goes to Washington. Interesting. I kind I like this. This is a real deep cut. So is the OG human who became a funny animal like Matt Damon or Art Garfunkel or something or Mr. Rogers? Like, mm. did they eat the first tomato and start the transportation? And also, do we not know it's not just an animal version of Lincoln? Wait, that means the Civil War definitely happened in the Arthur universe, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even in recent, you know, web cartoons, they have acknowledged the existence of racism within the mm. confines of the Arthur universe. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, 
I guess, I guess that's it. I guess that is what that means. Anyway, interesting theory here. Uh, they continue. In the last episode, you mentioned that you'd be interested in seeing what the Tibbles would be like at eight years old. There actually is a fan-made webcomic of the series that takes place four years after the series ends, but just but before the flash-forward at the end of All Grown Up, so everyone is four years older than in the show. I recommend you check it out. It is actually rather well-known for a fan webcomic, and it has a TV tropes page. So I believe it is called... Elwood, if I'm not mistaken. I have not gotten the chance to really get into it yet, but I have kind of poked around a little bit. Seems cool. So, uh, yeah, check check out that webcomic if you like. Next one here is from Amity, and their email is titled, Get in the Robot, Arthur. Been a while, but I hope you are doing well. Lucas, Will, Mike, and Mrs. Fink. Been loving the latest episodes. Can't wait to see you guys get into the Flash era. Mm-hmm. When I first saw the Flash episodes as a kid, it was so jarring that I thought they were fan-made episodes. Um, I look forward to you seeing some changes, weird episodes, and maybe my favorite episode of what little, little I've seen of this era where George makes a movie. As for a more general question, would you guys love to see Arthur get a complete series DVD collection or set? And if so, what kind of bonus features would you like to see? It would be cool to see all the episodes released on home media with audio commentary from the old cast and crew in good quality with maybe some word from us kids segments put in as bonus features um definitely i've been saying especially a lot lately even just if we can get the first couple of seasons on like a blu-ray set or something Mm, like i so often want to go back and watch those and they're not I mean, as, as someone living in Canada, they're not super easy to find. And Lucas, as you have said recently, even if you are in America, you have to contend with the PBS Kids web player, which is suboptimal. Yeah. And and what's interesting is that, you know, our, it would be a little bit difficult because Arthur's one of the longest running. It is the longest running PBS show ever, right? Or no, no, not Sesame Street. But Sesame Street went to other other broadcast networks. So Let's just say it's it's up there. It's up there. It's one of the longest-running animated shows, one of the longest-running PBS shows of all time. So it would be a big ask to have, uh, you know, we'd be dealing with, like, that Legend of Galactic Heroes box set that's, like, $800 uh, (laughs) of all those episodes. So I'm not expecting all, you know, 20-something seasons. But those first three seasons, I would love to see some sort of collection of those. Um, I think that's what really people want to see. Um, and the rest can kind of live online. But it's tricky. When it comes to, like, children's programming, and this is something we're seeing these days with, um, like, when HBO Max shut down, um, there's not a lot of good media preservation for kids' shows the way there is for adult shows. They don't really make box sets. Like, there's no way for you to watch, for instance, this is a, a newer kid show I like, Amazing World of Gumball, Kind right. of in linear order uh, on a home video version. They have mm. DVDs that are collections of episodes, but it's um, you know just a, a, an assortment of episodes and not just all the episodes in in linear order. Um, so uh, and and when HBO Max shut down, like a lot of those shows are now like becoming lost to time. Like they're not going to be available legally anywhere. Um, so this is kind of something that we're running into um, in the streaming era is that uh, people don't buy physical media for kids the way they do for adults because physical media is sort of becoming more of a collector's thing rather than a, a need, right? It's, it's kind of like records or uh, Funko Pops or you just want to have the DVDs on your wall. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're looking yeah. to actually watch the show, they go to online services. So this might be a problem we see more and more with kids shows specifically as time goes on. You're right. That's a really good point, and especially with the spate of of kids, I'll, I'll just say animated shows that are being 
taken off of their services and I mean, and and you've said as much, but just completely like not represented on home media. So essentially, they be they're like bordering on lost media now. I'm thinking of like Infinity Train and everything that's happened with the HBO Max cartoons. Of like some of those were in danger of losing, and we just I don't want that to happen to any animated series or series full period. And home media is a great way to do that. But maybe, you know, who knows if the demand is there or not. But I would certainly like to see it. Um, And Amity continues, if the rumored Arthur movie is true, what would you guys want the plot to be? For me, I would prefer they don't do any outlandish plot and go for a more low-key slice of life story, maybe following the cast as adults before all grown up. Right, because I think that's another thing that Mark Brown kind of hinted at is that there might be an Arthur movie in the works. And, like... I think about something like that Hey Arnold movie that came out a few years ago that, like, solved the mystery of Arnold's parents. And, like, you could maybe use something like... Yeah, I wouldn't want it to go too nuts either, but, like, if you wanted to, like, finally solve the... Well, they act... Well, and they've done episodes where they've, like, solved the mystery of the snowball or something. Or, uh... Mm. And we've already done episodes where they, like, move up a grade or something. It's hard to know exactly, like, what we left... What we are leaving on the table... Yeah, it's tricky, like, and I understand the impulse for it to not be too bombastic and and over the top because that's not really true to the spirit of Arthur, but you're serving a different master when it comes to a movie, right? Usually, there's a reason in in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, he leaves the playhouse, right? There has to be kind of an arc, so it's it's an exciting narrative. There's a reason the the Rugrats go to Paris, uh, Mm -hmm. and the whole movie is not just, like, in their Tommy Pickles' house. Um, So I I feel like... um, as much as you're saying you don't want this, I feel like there will be a need for the Arthur crew go on some sort of adventure. Whether that's, uh, you know, putting on a a concert to save the old uh, uh, recreation hall or whether that's, um, you know, yeah. going on some trip or something. I, I feel like that's kind of when these long-form shows are adapted into a movie, that's usually the way they do it. Yeah, that's actually uh, really a really good summation of how those usually go. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see and keep our minds open. Also, I've been watching Evangelion, and I thought it'd be funny to ask you who you'd cast in an cast in an Arthur Cross Evangelion crossover. I'm voting on Ratburn as Gendo and Muffy as Asuka. I wish you both the best, and hope for the podcast to make it through to the very end. As do we. Well, those are those are both good. I like those. Um, Arthur obviously is it's- Shinji. This is funny because they were talking about an Evangelion movie in the Discord today. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would say Buffy as Asuka or even Francine as Asuka. You know, yeah. Francine's a little mm-hmm, Sundere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Definitely, um, uh, definitely Fern as Ray. Yes. Oh, there you um, go. Uh, there you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, oh, we would me... have one of the new characters. What's the What's the older girl's name of the new characters? Ladonna. LaDonna would be the girl with the glasses that they added in the late rebuild movies. Oh, uh, uh, um, um, Mari? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Buster would be, um, oh gosh, uh, uh, what's his Bust- name? Buster the- and Binky would be like the, t- the two kids who are Shinji's friends whose name I'm blanking on. Or Buster would be, um, Kaoru? Let me pull up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking maybe. George because he's quieter. Ooh, but... George is a good pick for that. George is a good pick for that. Mm. But you could do Buster um, that way too. Uh, hmm. I, 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 that's, Molly I, would be Masato. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. I like that. I like that one. So, 
Um, and I'm sure there's other roles we can fill, but let's. I, I, that's pretty good. And again, if if any of you have any suggestions as to how that crossover could go, uh, let us know. Our next Would one comes. Pal, pal would be pen pen. Oh, of course, pal pal. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Um, next one is from Anne, who says, "Hey guys, I just discovered the podcast today, and I'm already in love with it." It just has a great vibe, and I love hearing your thoughts on Arthur, the episodes, and just things in general. I think it sucks that the show doesn't have more of a following. Hope you guys find an audience sooner or later. Oh, my goodness keep gracious. On do- keep on doing what you do and never give up hope. <laughs> if y'all ever need an editor or help with the videos, hit me up. So, What uh, the heck? <laughs> this is a backhanded compliment. Listen, I don't know of any other Arthur podcasts that talk to uh, famous friend of the show, Jason Schwimmer, so... Uh, at least not at least not yet <laughs> uh, i will say and i think we have found an audience it's just uh and i think also being a smaller podcast it allows people to continue to find us so that's the way i like to look at it and i wouldn't want us to grow too large anyway because then it becomes unfeasible and stressful and the main thing is i want it to be fun uh see so. for yourself i'm out here buying bugattis with my podcast buddy i don't know what you've been doing with your share every month but uh maybe a bag of doritos and uh, <laughs> I live humbly. Our last one here is from Samantha Cochimilio. So, Lucas, I believe this may be a fellow Italian mm. or someone of Samantha, Italian Samantha, what did heritage. you think about the Mario trailer? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Will and Lucas. I'm so excited to be finally emailing you guys. I started listening to ECL December 2021, and I'm finally caught up. It's been really cool listening to you guys grow up and how your lives have changed throughout the years. I'm such a fan. I've loved Arthur ever since it started and never stopped watching. I'm a 1995 baby and had an Arthur-themed birthday cake for my second birthday as well as my 19th. This podcast gives me an excuse to rewatch, which has been great, and I love hearing your thoughts. I've always been tempted to try to make an Arthur episode timeline, even though it's probably impossible. I'm excited to listen to the Arthur podcast starting on the 20th. An Arthur episode timeline, that would be that's an inspired YouTube video idea for any of the YouTubers in our audience, although it may drive you insane i have a comment about the most recent episode buster's secret admirer buster tries his fancy chocolates and talk about talks about how there are cashews in the ones he had then binky comes along and takes a handful of chocolates and all i could think was binky you have a nut allergy maybe <gasps> cashews are okay for him Ooh, yeah Ugh. good uh good thinking maybe this is before he developed the we have the bit of reflexive continuity here so maybe this was before he developed the nut allergy but still you're right Hope you're doing well and having a lovely October. P.S. What are you being for Halloween this year? I'm being Kim Possible. Lucas, any uh, Halloween costumes ready I, to go? Uh, had to, I figured this out last night, actually, because uh, uh. I was like, I, I didn't think I was going to be uh, in town for any Halloween parties, and then my schedule changed, and I was like, oh, gosh, I don't have my, mm-hmm. I don't have my stuff. I'm going to be a mime, Will. I'm going as a mime this nice. year. Nice. Classic. Ironic, because I'm so loud. <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a challenge, but that's a classic Halloween costume. So I, uh, I'm going to look forward to how you pull that off. I don't have one ready to go. I don't. I don't normally go to Halloween parties because nobody likes me. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking I could be John Moxley, but then I don't want to commit to shaving my head. So mm. th- I feel like I could throw that together in a pinch, but eh, I'm not really committing to it. Uh, I think I might just go without this year some some day some years i do a halloween costume or like a couple years ago i went to our local convention and like that doubled as a halloween costume but uh yeah maybe not this year i tend to let the let it go too late and then i'm not good at like costumes at a pinch anyway anyway i was gonna pull out the luigi 
I was going to pull out the Luigi costume, but I was like, I can't be a costume repeater. I'm better than this. Mm, uh, yeah. So I put the Luigi away. Uh, and yeah, mime time. Mime time. Let's uh, give thanks to some of our patrons at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. So yes, we did last week put out on Patreon exclusively for now the announcement of how the Patreon is going to be changing and the uh, early feedback seems to be very, very good. We'll be letting you guys know how it's going to be changing a couple weeks from now. And coming up, we are going to be talking about our episode number 50 of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast about a very, very special subject. We have patrons to thank for allowing us to do cool stuff like this, such as... I'm trying to juggle a lot of windows here. Um, We have Derek Watson Jr., Rin, and Mamada. We also have Dear Miss Elizabeth, a.k.a. Z. We have Jared G., Jack, and Matt M. We have Josh Andalo and Richard Mortimer and Alex K., as well as Awesome Eddie 21. We have lovely people like Veronica Tram, Casey Cosmos, Emmy the Ghost, JHC. We have Christine Liscody and EJ Acra. We have Kevin Noon, Joe Sue. And then on the first page, or rather, I should say the last page, we have Froppy, we have John Griswold, and we have Ian Collis. Thanks everybody for supporting us at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. I'm very excited to be getting back into an episode of Arthur. And today we are talking about Senseless. C-E-N-T-S hyphen less. Lucas, what would the world be like without money? I don't know. Is like Mr. Rappard uh, teaching Mark Fisher in <laughs> his third grade class? Mr. Rappard going uh, ANCOM for a second, giving his Noam Chomsky style lecture. Uh, it's easier to picture the end of the world than the world without capitalism. Uh, yet Mr. <laughs> Rappard dares his uh, class to do so. Uh, this was This was an opening I was not expecting. Well, it reminds me of the Simpsons joke of, can you imagine a world without money? People just holding hands and the sun shining. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we think about what would the world be like without money? Buster has a very specific fantasy. I think we all have an idea of what we would do if money was no object or we no longer had to work or something like that. So Buster would get a frozen yogurt replica of the Montreal Olympic Stadium from Brains Mom's ice cream shop before taking a chair, like just leaving, taking his ice cream and a chair, and then leaving in a helicopter with a butler named Alphonse. So very, very specific. (laughs) I have uh, good news, you know, if, if Buster, this is an achievable dream. Like, you could rent a helicopter. <laughs> you could just steal a chair. You can take a chair you whenever you want. You could just steal a chair, yeah. Um, and this leads to Ratburn teaching them about the barter system as well, uh, which is a even older than system than money, wherein uh, Arthur has an imagination where he tries to barter a singing cow that he and DW own for the brain's rock carving of a goat. And this is a vocal cameo, at least, from Mary Moo Cow, because the cow singing has the voice of Mary Moo Cow and makes allusion to the fact that one day, maybe she'll get her own show. But so it was, and it was weird, because in the first few seasons, Mary Moo Cow is around a lot, and you hear that voice, and then we just haven't heard it for seasons upon seasons, because the show in 
the Arthur universe has been canceled. So to hear it again, you can you can tell that the voice actor is a little bit out of practice with the Mary Mukau voice, but it, and and it was a little bit shocking to hear it again. It's funny that that's you know they've kept continuity with Mary Mukau being canceled. Whereas I always think back to in our next episode we're going to be talking about Dark Buddy, and I always think back to that one episode where I was like, "Is Dark Buddy gone forever?" And it turns out absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to be replaced just yet. Um, so we that's the cold open, and Muffy is very perturbed at the assignment that Ratburn gives them, which is to not spend money all weekend, which. For children, I think is doable. For Mr. Ratburn himself, who, you know, not not a hypocrite, is going to try to do the same thing, but then runs into some problems, which I think should allow him a little bit of grace here. So Muffy, Muffy really has some time to shine in this episode. Like when Mr. Ratburn first proposes <laughs> this, she's like, oh, Mr. Ratburn, you're such a kidder. Like she, she can't even wrap her head around such an idea. <laughs> and then from then on, it's just like nonstop complaining to uh, to uh, Francine. She's like, it's so much easier for people without money not to spend it. And there's, you're right that I, I did write down that line. It's much easier for people without money not to spend it. But what about poor, wealthy people like me? And unfortunately, Lucas, we kind of hear this sometimes in real life from certain people of like, well, if well, if poor people don't want to be poor, why are they spending money? It's like it doesn't work mm. like that, man. So this is the this is the assignment that everybody's going to be working with. Um, we find out here that uh, so the problem that Mr. Ratburn runs into, or okay, so before Mr. Ratburn, Muffy is going to be our focus. We also have a focus on Francine because she gets a card from her booby, which we don't unfortunately don't get to hear Joan Rivers, but she gets a fifty dollar bill. A very Canadian-looking fifty-dollar bill from her booby, and uh, with instructions to spend it. And Francine just has to wait out the weekend before she can spend it, but will be sorely tempted to as we go along here. The third focus is on Mister Ratburn because he is also trying to not spend money. We see him feeding his fishes, which are named Vladimir and Estragon. Which I looked it up. Thank you, Arthur Wiki. The names of the main characters from Waiting for Godot. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Mr. Ratburn actually hasn't bought groceries. And in his and to to keep in the spirit of the challenge needs to find a way to get food without paying for it. So his breakfast here, Lucas, we're gonna do another round of would you eat this? So it's pistachio nuts covered in condensed milk. Would you eat it? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, oh. I like pistachio nuts. The condensed milk is really what, what I don't think I would. As much as I want to say, just to watch you get grossed out, how much I, <laughs> as much as I want to say I would eat this, uh, I don't think I would. Okay, realistic. Um, yeah, you're you're not gonna put carnation milk on your on your pistachio nuts. Uh, also, just a note on Mr. Ratburn's appearance here. We see him in his PJs. He's got a bit of stubble going on for Saturday morning, and he's got and he, he's wearing a nightcap. He's in his real honk shoe mode. Yeah, Mr. Rapper would be the type of guy who goes, <gasps> what are you sleeping? Me, 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 me. <laughs> um, so at a toy shop, the toy shop, by the way, called Weird Things, Muffy really wants to get Bailey to buy her a Tammy the Tornado wrestler doll. 
and we get we see a little bit of it. Tammy the Tornado, I think it's 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 kind of a stereotypical professional wrestler look. It's like the red singlet with the face paint and the big muscles. Although the face paint reminded me a little bit of Bull Nakano. So I don't know if that was intentional, but I at least appreciated that it reminds me of somebody like Bull Nakano. Um, but that doll, not only can Muffy not buy it because of the challenge, it's also been previously reserved by Binky, who is a big fan of the real Tammy the Tornado, who he says won the Boston Blast Down three years in a row, which sounds like like a regional variant of like the Royal Rumble or something. Yeah, it's either that or like maybe we're doing this like FMW style. It's an exploding, exploding barbed wire death match, a literal blast down, if you will. Mm. In the Arthur universe, wrestling takes on a bit of a mythical quality, so anything is possible. So Muffy is going to try to use the barter system to trade for Tammy the Tornado. She offers Binky this like, is it was it like moisturizer or like a face wash or something? It's like and, a pomegranate moisturizer. Yeah. And- this is a classic Binky. This is just some great Binky stuff here where mm-hmm. he says, I have great skin. I don't want any old stuff on my face. And he's, he walks away incredulous. He's very particular. He also, this is actually, this was a learning moment for me. He says, does it have jojoba in it? And I was like, what is that? And I realized he's talking about jojoba, which is a type of, I it's an ingredient that can be in some, you know, uh, makeup or beauty products. And he's right. It is actually pronounced ba. I've been pronouncing it wrong all these years because it is uh, spelt with J's, but you pronounce the H. So I learned something. Uh, Muffy, yeah, she wants to barter for this doll. And Binky will trade if she can find a baseball card of Buzz McBoom Boom, who only pitched one season for the Grebe. So a very rare baseball card that is what he will part uh tammy the tornado for and while this is going on francine is still being tempted to spend the 50 dollars. we get a of this she sees this baseball glove in a sporting goods store and sees that they're having like a mega sale for just that weekend and the baseball glove in her imagination sings to her a sporting goods themed cover of the 12 days of christmas Mm, I was not a fan of this. At first, I was like, oh, great, some some classic Arthur imagination sequence stuff. So creative, a talking baseball glove with floating eyeballs. And then I was like, oh, they couldn't be bothered to write an actual original song. It's got to just be a rewrite of the 12 Days of Christmas. You can't do that if it's not a Christmas episode. I'm sorry. You can't do it. I agree. And, you know, they, they didn't account for us watching this in October, but... YouTube's starting to do the pre-roll ads of, like, Target Christmas, and I got real mad when I saw that yesterday. So I am not ready for Christmas. It's Halloween, damn it. We're still in the spooky season, and it will be done when I say it's done. Um, And I also thought the baseball glove reminded me a little bit of Clippy, Microsoft Clippy, in the way he looked. (laughs) There you go. There's your Halloween costume, Will. You go as Clippy. Clippy, I feel like, hmm. You see, like, a big tube, and you could, like contort it to be a uh and then put like some some styrofoam balls on your head that you use a sharpie oh. to make eyes oh, so those are the eyes and then you get some sort of tube and you put it into like a paperclip shape but there you go you're t- you're clippy you're talking about going can to i help cra- you with that you're, you're you're talking about going to a crafting store and you're already losing me here i have <laughs> the depths of my laziness really come to 
to to bear when it comes to making Halloween costumes. I made some crummy looking ones in the past because I did not want to work for it. So yeah, we, that that's how Francine is tempted to spend her fifty dollars, but Muffy is you know, adamant that if she's not spending money, then neither is Francine. They go to the brain who I don't think, I think this is the first time we're hearing of it has a huge baseball card collection. So he has trips of Buzz McBoom Boom. And he's a type of collector where he will get trips, you know, one, one for looking at one for holding and then an, a, a spare so that his greasy hands don't gunk up the, the foil or whatever. I actually really liked this because you know, the best stuff for Brain is when he's not just being Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory. When he's right. not just being like a well-actually-know-it-all. Like, my favorite character trait about Brain is that he loves blues music. Like, in the episodes where they brought that up, I, I thought that added so much depth to the character and made it... Okay, he's not just this point Dexter who memorizes facts. He's got other elements to him. And so seeing him collect baseball cards, it's like, okay, like, you know, Francine's usually the athletic one who's into sports, and, and Buster's usually, like, the little collector. So this was, like, an interesting revelation. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. It's something that we've never seen before, but it also doesn't mean that it can't happen. These characters are allowed to have depths that we have never seen before. So Brains, you know, he doesn't really want to trade for his card just yet, even though he does have triples of it. And uh, this is where Muffy realizes that, you know, bartering isn't just item for item. You can also offer a service, which is what we find out. When we see that Mr. Ratburn has figured out his food problem, he has brought back two puppets that he has done shows with before. We've never seen it, I don't think. Uh, Punchy and Jude, which are animal versions of the Punch and Judy um, puppet act, um, which is which is like a classic puppet act that usually involves slapstick violence. And we see it here. He's putting it on for the Arthur characters in the park. And he asks to be paid in food, which he is. So that's how he's able to to make a living. It's very, um, it, it, was, it was actually kind of utopian in a way. It's very nice that like this children's puppet performer can indeed get paid in food. It's actually, um, I don't know, it's nice to see people existing. It's also kind of weird money. though. Like imagine you saw your third grade teacher busking for food. Mm, yeah. You'd be like, what's going on here? Thankfully, it's within the context of this challenge. So at least I know, they but know like, that if he's your parents saw this, like they would be like, "Mr. <laughs> Rapper, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, why are you begging for food on this street? Like, my taxes anyway. pay for your salary. Why are you exactly? <laughs> yeah. Um. This and this and Mr. Ratburn tells them that you know bartering can also include service for item. Uh. That's Buster says that he was also bartering for. Um, for food, he because he's been offering jokes as services. Uh, so he tells the, you know, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine joke. Francine says, what did you get for that joke? Buster said, half a bagel. And then I stood on my hands for some cream cheese. <laughs> this is odd. Like, who gave Buster half a bagel for a joke? Like, did he, did or, he break or, it off or, or did even, he eat it? Or we even weirder, give him cream cheese for standing on his head. <laughs> Who is Weird. this person who, like, was Buster's patron, you know, his food patron? Um, so Muffy makes a half-hearted attempt to make, to tell Brain a joke in exchange for the card. She does, like, a little bit of a stand-up comedian lead into it. She does, like, a, it's like, how are you doing tonight, Brain's room? And Brain is just like, could you skip the false interest in me and just skip to the humorous part? 
And, of course, the joke doesn't go over because Brain already knows it. But the service that Muffy finds she can do, she redesigns Brain's baseball cards shelf because he's saying that he really doesn't get a chance to look at them very often because of how um, poorly sorted the shelf is. So Muffy uses her creative and spatial expertise, which we have seen before. She's very good at she has she has an eye for design. So she uses that and she creates a much more visually appealing and well-sorted uh baseball card shelf and gets the Buzz McBoom Boom card. And that's actually, you know, this leads directly into we don't see it on on screen, but Muffy does get the the wrestler doll and then we cut to like the end of the weekend where Muffy says in Ratburn's class, that's how I learned I was valuable even without money, which I didn't expect that to be like, I didn't even expect there to be a like moral of the story, but I do kind of like that that's what we, that's what we came to. It was about Muffy finding out that she is valuable beyond what she can purchase. And yeah, and yeah. I, I always like it when they acknowledge that Muffy isn't just this like rich jerk. She has a skill set, and that her skill set is her style, her fashion, her eye for design. So I always like it when they highlight those traits of Muffy. Yeah, and that they and that they're multifaceted. They're not just like girly girl interests. Uh, they can actually be applied to real life situations in useful ways. Um, Muffy also suggests something to Francine which I immediately thought of and I think it's just me being an adult of like Francine being like what am I going to do with this $50 when she gets it from her booby and I was just like put it in the bank like don't think about it just put it away and then you can use your debit card when you're done Uh, but I think that's just down to me being an adult I think when you're a kid you're more likely to hold on to cash and of course not have a bank account so can't blame her for that yeah and that's basically where it ends up They, they learn a bit of a lesson about bartering and value. Uh, We'll get into the second part of this Arthur episode right after this. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood dash city dash limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. You may f- you may think that Buster the Lounge Lizard is going to be about something else. <laughs> so, I w- like, I'm curious, did you have, did you, what did you think this was going to be about bef- when you saw the title? Now... I've only ever heard the phrase lounge lizard in reference to uh, Sierra Interactive's PC gaming icon, Leisure Suit Larry. Oh. 
Le- the first oh. game is, of course, called Leisure Suit Larry and the Land of the Lounge Lizards. Oh. Um, mm. And I was like, surely this is not... Uh, surely this is not what this Buster episode is about. No. Uh, uh, by the way, rest in peace to the original voice actor of Leisure Suit Larry, who uh, passed away this week, I believe. Um, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure the term lounge lizard, at least as I'm to understand it, refers to, like, you know, the type of jazz singers that would frequent lounges and clubs. Like, I think, you know, think of like a, like a Sinatra type of crooner. But uh, no, uh, Lucas, I don't know enough about the Leisure Suit Larry series of games to have made that leap, but I'm, I'm glad you stuck up for it there. Um, that's okay. Maybe you got into the series later on, like uh, Leisure Suit Larry Goes Looking for Love, uh, Leisure Suit Larry 3, Passionate Patty in Pursuit of Pulsating Pectorals. No, I think I'd remember that. No. Uh, Leisure Suit Larry... Oh, this one's really bad. <laughs> Spelt oh. how you think it is. I don't. Uh, we're gonna skip over that one in, <laughs> in 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 the final edit of this. Maybe maybe I'll just I'll just do a long bleep and you people can look it up. I think that's you know we're a family podcast here. This it's the one we, from two thousand four, folks. We're gonna cha- we're gonna chase all the kids away and they're gonna go to the official Arthur podcast and be like, that's the one that's for families. I'm like, no, exactly. No, let's it's... hear let's hear Arthur talk about the Leisure Suit Larry series. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, if this voicemail thing (laughs) pans out, maybe one of our listeners can leave a long, detailed voicemail about the Leisure Suit Larry series and see if that makes air. So anyway, the cold open of the episode starts with the it's, it's just fully a commercial. It's a commercial for the new Dark Bunny Dark Buggy, which is the vehicle that he drives in the show. I liked I liked the commercial theme. I really did. And it was very, like, at first I thought it was the theme to the television show. And it's like, okay, well, if they're trying to make it look like the 90s Batman series, that eh, it doesn't really sound like it. But no, it's trying to be a commercial theme. And to that end, I thought it was really like, like you're kind of snapping your fingers. It's like, oh, this is pretty good. It's kind of swanky. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm trying to. Uh, I I got distracted by the Leisure Suit Larry Wikipedia page. I uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, it was. See, this is the kind of they they used all their uh kind of uh, songwriting skills that they could have used for that rewrite of the Twelve Days of Christmas for this Dark Bunny intro. Right. No, I I I agree. I agree with you. And Buster is practically hypnotized by this commercial. He needs to have this toy. And then when we start the episode, he has the toy. He brings it to school. It's this, you know, it's a, it's it's a it's a car that's big enough to hold a dark bunny action figure, but it has a lot of different um, accessories and actions that it can do. And we see this in the commercial. Like it can fire a grappling hook. It's got working lights. It's like, you know, it, it, it can. It's voice controlled, and there's like 15 other things it can do, and it's we we see we see it initially here like buster accidentally engages the grappling hook and like snags binky's shirt and it kind of gets away from him at certain times and in fact it gets him in a little bit of trouble because he's not trying to play with it every minute he's going to bring he brought it to school and he's going to put it in his desk but unfortunately it can't fit in there and then the grappling hook uh, again is this is is engaged and mr ratburn is accidentally pantsed we see a little whisper of his underoos here, 
And it's, you know, a little embarrassing. Mr. Ratburn, I'll also note, doesn't have the blazer on in this episode, which makes me think this takes place in the summer. Uh, Or or at least near the summer, so it's a little bit warmer. So he gets pantsed, and Buster gets in trouble. um, Which and 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 again, Buster is barely having to do anything with this car. Well, I want to get into this in the sec in a second (laughs) when he's talking with Mister Ratburn. um, Like another feature we see is that it has the ability to like stick itself to a surface. In this case, a ceiling, and it becomes like a disco ball. Which is like, haha! It's like it's like got all these silly features and can do all these dumb things. Mister Ratburn, like, you know, takes it down from the ceiling and it takes a chunk of the ceiling with it. What I liked about all of this is it kind of subverted my expectations because you expect Mister Ratburn is the the whole episode is kind of predicated on this misunderstanding that. Buster thinks that he's going to get in trouble because Mr. Rapper thinks he's disobeying his uh, direction, which is to not play with the toy. Right, yeah. Keep it out of the school. But Mr. Rapper seems to quickly have this understanding that the toy is acting on its own without input from Buster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, after the initial misunderstanding, Mr. Rapper is all too aware of how potentially dangerous this object is. He's almost scared of it. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, and Buster is, it's not like he's not listening to Buster. He is. And he knows that like this thing kind of has a mind of its own. And so he gives it back to Buster and instructs him like, you know, don't bring it to, to class. And unfortunately, it ends up, I think, following a voice command of Buster's by accident. And ends up going into the teacher's lounge. I gotta say, this toy sucks. Like, it does a lot of what? things. No, it's, what do you like, mean? Well, listen, I'm sure they got good value for their money, but it's constantly, like, on. It's constantly right. doing crap, and it's, like, doing st- stuff you don't want it to do. Like, this is a hazard. This thing, this no, thing I, I, I mean, you got to put yourself in the the mind of an eight-year-old. This sounds like the best toy in the world. But like, Buster's having constantly- it. Buster's having it, and even while he's, he's, like, it's causing him stress because it's doing all these things that he doesn't want it to do. Well, that's his fault for bringing it to school. Like, I, I feel like, okay, think about Furby. Furby was always like, the memories that people always have of, like, the talking Furbies is like, it would say stuff when you didn't expect it. It'd be kind of scary. Yeah. Or if you, like, said a swear word to it, then it would swear. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's part of the, the idea of a toy that could do all this stuff to me, I was like, wow, this seems like the best toy ever. Yeah, like, 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 yeah, like, I see what you're talking about. But it, by the end of this episode, Buster just seems like his life is ruined by this by this toy. Um, we also get we get a we get a fair amount of Mr. Haney in this episode, which is which is good. We like Mr. Oh Haney. Oh, my gosh. There is a line here. So the reason the car goes into the teacher's lounge is because like Mr. Haney and Mr. Ratburn are talking kind of like in the door frame, and then they go in and it follows them in when they go into the teacher's lounge. Mr. Haney says, and I'm not joking, Papa Bear needs some coffee. Oh, excuse that's me. The part. Papa, Papa Bear needs more coffee. Mr. Haney's referring to himself as Papa Bear, which I was like, S- what show am I watching again? <laughs> I was laughing at the line he says before where I always love when kids shows – you, you hear the punchline of the joke, but not the setup. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Haney is recounting this story where he's saying to Mr. Rafford, so I said, neurosurgery, try teaching third grade for a week. <laughs> ah, Mr. Haney, I feel, is is a good way for them to get like some really solid humor across, but yeah. he's, he often goes underutilized, and I feel like he's 
this this really brought him back in a big way. I just I'm uh, stunned that he referred to himself as Papa Bear. And yeah, exactly. Doing one of those class those classic punchline bits. I agree. Like I we we've always been singing from the rafters the praises of Binky. And I think Binky is no longer underrated. Like people know that Binky is the best Arthur character. Oh, yes. But Mr. Haney has like a principal Skinner quality to him where the guy is just comedy gold. Like from those early seasons where whenever something was falling from the sky and he was in like his bath gear and it would always yeah. like hit him from the sky at his house. Or, you know, one of the reasons that I love the blizzard as an episode so much is some of the Mr. Haney hijinks of Mr. Mm-hmm. Haney being trapped at the school and him like screaming to the heavens that he hates school. More Mr. Haney, please. I think we've we've gotten our full now of Binky episodes. You know, I'm never unhappy to see a Binky episode, but everybody knows that those are good. We need some Mr. Haney episodes at this point. He's he's very likable in an offbeat way. And I and I really like when we lean into that. So Buster is drowning his sorrows at the sugar bowl. He feels like he's never going to get it back. There is, I will say this, some, I forget who it is, but somebody brings up to Buster of like, like, why don't you just tell Mr. Ratburn the truth? And Buster, Buster is just like, oh yeah, that'll work. And it's just like, well, it actually probably would, but at least somebody said that and Buster rejected it for not a good reason, but at least, at least they tried. So Buster, like, this leads to the kids wondering exactly, like, what would they do if they found the toy in there? And, like, what do teachers do in the teacher's lounge? So Arthur imagines that the teacher's lounge is this big area where they all play with the toys. And so they're probably playing with all the toys they confiscate. For example, we see a a bit here of Mr. Ratburn having two, like, an action figure and a doll. And he's doing, like like, a monologue about Galileo with them. Which I thought was very cute and funny. Um, Muffy thinks that the teacher's lounge is more like a spa. And, you know, they go in there to kind of unwind and get, like, their nails done and all that kind of stuff. And she ends <laughs> she ends her fantasy by saying, and that's where all our tax dollars go. <laughs> <laughs> and then Francine's idea is it's kind of twofold. Her, her main idea is that she thinks that the teachers are in possession of a giant computer which is meant to make tests and assignments harder because it's this it's this classic way of thinking about teachers when you're a kid uh, of like they are these larger than life figures of discipline and punishment that are like their entire existence is to like make you look foolish and to punish you for being foolish and their computer is called the stumper 2000 wherein it gives mr ratburn a logical paradox that uh there is no right answer for and and that they will and mr haney's like we'll put that on a test and we'll make it worth 50 percent of their grade and yeah i love this idea that they need (laughs) complex computations in order to make elementary school tests more difficult uh and the second part of Francine's idea is that she thinks that the teachers are all slug-eating aliens. Like, Mr. Handy produces, like, a jar of slugs, and they all take off their faces, and they're, like, they basically kind of look like Kang and Kodos from The Simpsons, and they eat slugs. And th- this confused me, and then she just says that, like, Buster's like, you really believe that? And Francine's like, no, but I figured that you would, because Buster is initially quite shocked by this 
Uh, so I thought that was funny, taking advantage of Buster's gullibility in matters of aliens. The, so his friends try to kind of cheer him up and think of something, but they're not really able to do much. And Buster says, I want to sit for a while and think about all the fun I won't be having this year. <laughs> Um, but to that, he we get a little bit of a noir p- beat here as Binky is in the adjoining booth at the Sugar Bowl. He's wearing a pair of sunglasses. He's being very like spy-esque as he has an idea for how Buster can get his toy back. And he, he does a lot of this like it's it's like uh, you know, when he's offering to get the toy back of like it's like you have an idea of how to do this? Maybe I do, maybe I don't. <laughs> or like maybe I am maybe I'm not just trying to drum up some mystery um, and so Binky's idea is essentially that they will go to school like when he's commiserating later with Buster the idea is that they'll go to school early and Binky will just like boost him into the window of the teacher's lounge um, well that's the idea they eventually get to I think like at, right, at right. one point Binky is talking about like um, the great escape style like burrowing a tunnel under the school um, that's and that's I right. Buster asks him, he's like, "How do you know all this? Like, what are your sources?" Uh, and Biggie's like, <laughs> uh, "Action movies and comic books." <laughs> but uh, by the way, hilarious that Buster asked for sources. Buster's reaction to this, by the way, is an Arthur meme alert because I've seen this gift before of Buster putting both hands on his head in shock. Yes, it's Buster YouTube react faces. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, Buster initially shoots that down, and then Binky kind of sheepishly says that maybe that wouldn't work so they can try to do the window plan. Uh, Buster says, I I think this is about the sewer plan. He says, it just seems kind of complicated. And Biggie says, well, so is Mozart, bucko, but that doesn't mean it's genius. (laughs) So just all time great Biggie stuff in both these episodes. He's so affronted at that. It's really funny. Yeah. So they settle on a plan where they're going to go to school early. Buster can barely sleep a wink that night. And they, Binky's going to boost him in through the window. And in the end, Buster, he's, he's really tired. There's a great drawing of Buster with, like, bags under his eyes. And he just looks, like, defeated by the world. Um, Binky's going to boost him in there and also asks if Buster can get back his ultra bouncy ball. And they go to do it. And then Buster, he, he, he can't, really. He's, he, he knows that he shouldn't go in somewhere where he's not supposed to go. Um, but then this actually resolves really quickly. This just... Gets right to the end of the episode where Mr. Ratburn opens the window and he just gives Buster the toy back and says, like, don't bring it to school again. And Buster yeah, gets he off understood scot-free. All, he understood all along from the jump that the toy has a mind of its own and he doesn't blame Buster at all for it being in the teacher's lounge. Like, he has this implicit understanding and fear of this thing. The, yeah, it, it, it just wraps up. Like, that's basically it. We just get, like, one last thing here, which, by the way, uh, we get from Mr. Ratburn talking to him. Mr. Haney's first name is Francis. I don't know if we've gotten that information before, but it's so it's Nigel Ratburn and Francis Haney. So Nigel and Francis, uh, you know they, uh, or there's one thing I there's one thing I forgot to mention. I'm sure people are probably screaming at their podcasts. Uh, the reason that Buster can't sleep the night before is because he believes that Mr. Ratburn will find the car and then like. As a lesson to Buster, like, basically surgically operate on it and use it as an assignment. So he, like, takes a drill to it as he and Mr. Haney are laughing evilly. Um, so they don't do that in the end. Buster gets his car back, and they resolve. Nigel and Francis decide that they are not going to give back Binky's ultra-bouncy ball, and they decide to play with that. 
it's kind of a really weird, abrupt ending. And uh, I do like that final note, though. It's reminiscent of the uh, the snowball episodes of like one of the things that the kids was pontificating about was actually correct um, when they were talking about you know what's actually going on in the teachers' lounge. Um, is it who says they're they're playing with all the toys? Is it Francine? Uh, it's um, Arthur. It's Arthur. So Arthur was right. They, much like how Buster was right that aliens took the snowball. Uh, Arthur was right. They are playing with the Binky's bouncing ball, and that's why they haven't given it back to Binky. Is just because they play with it, which is I, I always kind of like. It, 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 it harkens back to the magical realism of Arthur of old. Mm. Um, that one of the kids was right all along, and that these teachers aren't all that they appear on the outside. Well, and speaking as the son of a teacher, I think that teachers' lounges are a little bit less interesting than you may think. But I also wouldn't put it past teachers to like frig around with uh, with a toy they may have confiscated. I think there is a happy medium to that. But yeah, this is, this is a kind of funny way to leave it, although it seemed to have happened really, came together really quickly. So Lucas, what about Senseless? We're going to talk about the episodes now. How did this one strike you, the episode about not spending money for a weekend? I I, I thought this was an a entertaining episode. I, uh, I liked, I always like those Muffy episodes where um, she gets to be a little bit more two-dimensional, and I, I really like the conclusion it comes in that, you know, even though Muffy's not able to spend money, she has this inherent value because of her design sensibilities and, and her eye for interior decor. And, and um, I also thought it was a pretty funny episode because we still get to get that money, that, that humor where Muffy is kind of an out-of-touch rich person. So we're both laughing at her and with her, and so I think they um, juggle those elements well. Uh, and I thought it was it, kind of an interesting left field kind of topic for an Arthur episode. Like once, <laughs> once again, when, when uh, Miss Rappard starts the episode with echoes of Mark Fitcher, you know, capitalist realism talking about what would the world look like without money? I was like, okay, let's get into this. Uh, wh- where are we going here? Uh, but I thought they stuck the landing. I agree. I liked, I like this episode too. I think it's an interesting idea. It, it kind of, worked its way into like a moral like it didn't seem like it was setting up necessarily for Muffy to learn a lesson but the lesson she did learn is, it made sense and I and I made sense mm. and uh, it was something that I'm glad that she got a little bit of shine I think that we have said before we both appreciate when Muffy gets to be a little bit more than she appears to be on the surface. The other stuff with Francine, the Francine stuff was okay, and the Mr. Ratburn stuff I liked as, as as a background addition. And there were lots of, I think sometimes what can make a, a good Arthur episode into a good plus or great Arthur episode are, are the little details. So like I liked the little wrestler doll. I liked the um, the baseball cards. I like the I like the name for the baseball player and all the other details that really brought this together. I, I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this quite a bit. I would also say I liked Buster the Lounge Lizard, but a little bit less than Senseless, mainly just because I felt like it wrapped up really abruptly like I said it's just like all of a sudden we just ran into the ending and I find that that's a bad habit that even some good Arthur episodes can have especially later on where we have been in like the you know past season 10 or you know just into this era of Arthur is that sometimes the episode just kind of wraps up and you're like wait that's it like there's there's not more to that and it's like we only have so much time to work with 
And I guess, <laughs> you know, I'm if they needed a way to end an episode, I don't want to be too critical, but because uh, you know you have to write a lot of these episodes. But it just kind of felt a little unnatural to me. That said, I think that the idea behind it is interesting. It was very. Um, early Arthur, I feel. It was kind of making the teachers seem a bit more mysterious. But they also got to be a little mm. bit silly here and there. Like, this is something that you would... It's interesting to have it have Ratburn be kind of the... Not the antagonist, but the obstacle for Buster here. Because at this point in Arthur, and even in the previous story that you would have watched before this, Mr. Ratburn is, is, is a bit more of a comedic figure. He's kind of lost that authoritative edge of the early seasons, which I agree with. I like, I think it's good, but it's also like, it doesn't make him much of a foil anymore. He's a bit too understanding. And if he was the more kind of mysterious, um, hard nosed Mr. Ratburn of old, then you might have a reason to really be like shaking in your boots a little bit at, at like him finding your toy. Um, so, but you know, it, it, it doesn't bother me all that much. I just think that it doesn't come together as well as it could, but there's some really funny lines in here. I like Buster and Binky as a pairing. I think that's funny. Um, the, the, the toy itself is, uh, like I said, it's like annoying and I hate it, but it's also like a fun idea. I liked Mr. Haney. Like there's a lot to like about it, even though in the end it doesn't, you know, it's not near the top of the season or anything like that. I actually uh, liked this one more of the two. I was a big fan of Buster the Lounge Lizard. Um, I think that all the Dark Buddy stuff at the start is great, uh, both aesthetically and in terms of just like they, they always nail it with their parodies. Um, I thought all the comedy in this episode really works. I like Buster and Binky as a duo. It's two of my favorite characters. Um, and Binky planning this heist, this whole like latter half of the episode I was I was really interested in um, and had a great time watching um, and it's funny that you say the way they, they treat the teachers and the mysterious teacher lounge is reminiscent of old Arthur because I was like this is reminiscent of, of 90s media in general like this feels almost like it doesn't feel like an episode from the mid 2010s this feels like an episode from yeah like 1998 like this is very hey Arnold Simpsons um, oh what are the teachers doing in the teachers lounge um, I feel like that's not a topic that comes up. Beavis and Butthead, that kind of thing. I, I feel like that's kind of gone away in uh, kid and young adult media. So this did really feel like a throwback. Um, and I like it for that. And the ending didn't really bother me as much. Just because I was like, okay, this is headed for the climax either way. Because they're sneaking in to the uh, teacher's lounge. So it's all going to come to a head here. Uh, and I did enjoy the kind of note we leave on. Where it's that fun, oh, one of the kids was right all along. Um, they, they really do be playing with that ball. Um, I, I like that little element that we don't just, we don't just close the book and be like, oh, it was all in, in Buster's head and the teachers are normal in the teacher's lounge. I like that kind of little element at the end where it's like, oh, the teachers are maybe a little bit less benevolent than we thought they were. It's cause you play with that ball. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad that we could come back to Elwood City Limits with a fun Arthur episode, and I'm sure there's more on the way. In fact, Lucas, it seems that the next Arthur episodes we'll be dealing with Include one that people have been wanting us to watch for a long time. So, of course, thank you for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Great to be back, as always. Uh, You know, if everything goes according to plan, next week we will begin part one of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast 
episode number 50. And of course, that's our Patreon-exclusive podcast where we talk about PBS Kids shows. And for episode 50, it's the show that's so big, it has such a huge cultural impact that we have to do two parts. We're talking about Sesame Street. So next week, Lucas and I are going to be sitting down and chatting about the history of Sesame Street. Um, I'm already starting research on it. Of course, it's great fun to learn about how it all came together. I'm going to do my best to do it justice. There's lots of great documentaries and uh, pieces of information out there, so I want to make sure I incorporate as much as I can, and I think patrons are really going to enjoy this. So again, that's at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. On the next episode of Elwood City Limits itself, we're going to be talking about to eat or not to eat and S-W-E-A-T, the former of which is one, as I mentioned, people have been waiting for us to talk about this. I always love it when we get around to the episodes where people are like, we have a lot of good memories of this or want to know what you think about this. So I'm excited and I'm always glad to kind of get back on the wagon and talk about Arthur. All I can say, all I can say besides that is, Lucas, I, I wish you all the best in your continued travels. Um, I'm still like a little bit waylaid from jet lag, so you're, I think, I think you're proving that you're a much better traveler than I am, and I'm enjoying your updates uh, here and there. So happy trails, and uh, yeah, we're we're glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back. So for, uh, well, that's not how I end, that's not how I end the show. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. We don't have all day, and I'm getting a grass stain on my knee. See, grass stains are something you worry about when you're an adult. I didn't even think those were a thing when I was a kid, so Binky. I just like, what? like, it's like, <laughs> you either have a stain or you don't. It doesn't like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't get worse over time. Right. Anyway. <laughs> we'll see you next time.